0: I'm excited that you're here today, uh, whether it's in person or watching online, because we're starting a brand new series this morning, which I'm really excited about, uh, because I think it's going to be really applicable for your life. Now, to be fair, I think every one of our series is applicable, uh, because what we do is we look at Scripture, draw out the truths of Scripture, and then my job is to apply it to your life. Uh, however, this one I think it is particularly applicable because all of us have emotions. All of us have feelings because God designed us that way. Uh, And by the way, emotions and feelings, they're, they're not a bad thing. They're not sinful, they're not evil. God Himself has emotions, He has feelings. As you open up Scripture, what do we see? We see God says about Himself, I'm a jealous God. We see Jesus weeping and mourning over a friend who died. We see God rejoicing. We see God has emotions. It's not the emotions that are bad. What's wrong is when we get controlled by those emotions and then it brings out sinful behaviors in us because our lives are guided and directed by the emotion. And so what we want to do today and with this series is we want to look at Scripture and we want to notice, name, and navigate through the following emotions and feelings that we feel. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to see how God draws us to Himself. And through His promises, He brings our hearts peace through all of these different emotions. As you can see with the graphic that's up on your screen, Uh, you can see the next several weeks that we're going to be looking at. Today, we are looking at, I feel so inadequate. I feel so inadequate. I'm lacking. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I feel so inadequate. And so what we want to do today is we want to unpack that. We want to look at someone in Scripture, we're going to look at Moses, who feels so inadequate and how God supplies him with exactly what he needs so that he can have confidence. Before we jump into Exodus chapter 3, let me give you some background. If you remember uh, the Jewish people, uh, at the end of Genesis, they had moved to Egypt uh, because there was a severe famine around 1900 BC. And for 400 years, the Jewish people lived in Egypt. uh, And over those 400 years, a couple things happened. Number one, they had gone from about 80 people to 1 million. Their group was a huge group. Number two was, in that time, the pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said, you know what, these people are becoming so many that they're going to overtake us pretty soon, so what we have to do is we have to enslave them. And so the Egyptians took the Israelites, the Jewish people, as slaves and treated them harshly, made them work from dusk until, or dawn until dusk Wake up and do it again the next day. There was no break ever. And they treated them horribly. Even after that, the pharaoh looked and said, these people are getting way too big. They're going to overthrow us. We need to do some population control. And so the pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said, all Jewish baby boys, two years old and under, take them and throw them into the Nile River. We're going to kill off the next generation. And that's what happened. And one of the moms had a son whose son was named Moses. And she hid Moses because obviously she doesn't want to throw her baby into the Nile River. So she hides Moses as long as she can and keeps him a secret until she can't hide him any longer. But she doesn't have the heart and can't and won't throw her baby into the Nile River. So she makes a basket, puts him in the basket, and lets him float down the Nile River. Because if something happens to him... She doesn't want to know, but she can't keep him hidden any longer. And she knows if she keeps him, the Egyptians will just come and take him and throw him in the river. So maybe he can get far enough away where someone will adopt him. Well, Moses doesn't make it far down the river until he bumps into Pharaoh's daughter, the princess of Egypt. And she hears baby Moses crying. And her heart goes out to baby Moses, and she adopts him. Takes him in And adopts him. And Moses is raised in the court of Pharaoh. The king of Egypt is now his step-grandfather. And he grows up in the court of the Egyptians. And that's for 40 years. 40 years he is raised as Pharaoh's grandson. And after 40 years, Moses has power. He has some influence. He has more money than he knows what to do with. And yet... He doesn't identify as an Egyptian. In his heart, he's a Jewish person. And one day, he sees an Egyptian harassing and beating one of his fellow Jewish men. And so Moses decides to become a social activist and step in. And he kills the Egyptian because he's going to be the deliverer of the Israelites. Pharaoh hears about it and says, I'm going to kill you. And so now Moses has to run. Now he just, in that moment, went from having all the money in the world, all power, influence, now he has none of it. No power, no influence, no money, no job. And he's on his own at 40 years old. And he runs out to the wilderness where he becomes a shepherd. Forty years later, Moses is 80 years old. And that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 3. Moses out in the wilderness, and he looks over and he sees probably something that wasn't a new thing. He sees the bush on fire, but this one was particularly interesting, because as he looks at the bush, the fire just kept going, and the bush wasn't being consumed. There's just fire, and he sits there and stands there and watches it for a few minutes and notices the bush isn't disintegrating. Nothing's happening. It's just a flame. And so he says, I'm going to go check it out. And here's what happens when he gets there. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses gets to the bush, and and God calls to him from the bush and says, Take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy. And then God says who he is, and notice Moses' reaction. He hides his face. Why? Why? We'll come back to that in just a minute. Here's what the Lord said. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Stop right there. I don't know. What, what is your view of God? What's your view of God? Some people, uh, called deists, believe that God created everything but then he's hands-off. That he just watches from above, he watches how things unfold, but he's not hands-on. Look at what God says here. I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned, and I've come down to rescue. God isn't a God that's just up in heaven that doesn't care about your life and is just watching it unfold. No, he sees, he hears, he's concerned, and he comes down to rescue. We have a hands on God, and that hands on God came down to rescue the Israelites. He says to Moses, I've come down to do it. I'm coming down to rescue. Now go. I'm sending you, Moses, to bring them out. Here's how Moses responds Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I, Moses says. God, if this was 40 years earlier, this would make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) Back when he was a 40-year-old man who grew up in Pharaoh's court, who had the power, who had the influence, who had some money, who had some clout, now he's an 80-year-old man who doesn't probably have that much strength left, who has no money, has no influence. How is he going to go to Pharaoh And say, let my people go. Who is he? He's a shepherd. He's not even an Egyptian anymore. He's not even an Israelite. He's been on his own for 40 years. Who am I, Lord, that I should do this? Even if I go, how am I going to get an audience with the most powerful man in the world at the time? And even if I do get an audience, remember, he wanted to kill me in the past. And you want me to go to him? And by the way, the Israelites are a million people. They are a group of a million people. I don't have the leadership capabilities. How can I lead this group? Who am I that they are going to listen to me? He feels inadequate to do the job. No power, no influence. He is lacking. He's not good enough to do what God has called him to do. What is God calling you to? What does he put on your plate? Where is he leading you? Where is he guiding you? Are you feeling the same as Moses? Who am I? And as you look inward, are you feeling inadequate to do what God is calling you to do? And that's why you're not doing it. That's why you're hesitant to move forward. Because who are you to do what God is calling you to do? Who are you to lead your family into the Word when you've lived like that for so long? Who are you? Who are you to go into this new role? whether it's a ministry role or some other role. We're getting ready to start a brand new school year, and maybe you're feeling like you're lacking. You're inadequate. You know the next grade is going to be harder. You know the studies are going to be harder. You know the social scene is going to be harder. Who are you? And you're nervous because you feel inadequate. Maybe you're getting ready to teach, whether it's the first year or your 25th year. You still have those nerves. Because man, things change every year. With every generation, there are things that you have to navigate that you're just not sure you're equipped to handle. Maybe you're getting ready to take on a new chapter in life. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You're not sure you have the wisdom. You're not sure that you have the the knowledge to move forward. Maybe it's a ministry opportunity here. Maybe God is calling you, leading you to take on some ministry, but you're not sure you have the Bible knowledge to do it. Where is God calling you? Where do you feel inadequate that you're lacking? When moments like that happen, What do we generally tell people? What do we think Moses needs right here? Well, he probably needs some confidence. He probably needs to be built up. He probably needs a higher self-esteem, right? And so how do we expect God to respond? Moses, you're the perfect person for this job. You grew up in the court of Pharaoh. You know the sufferings of the people. You have a heart for the Israelites, and you know their suffering. You've been a shepherd for 40 years. You've been leading and guiding a flock, and that's what you're going to be doing with the Israelites. You're going to be leading and guiding them. You're the perfect person. And yet, how does God respond? Verse 12, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. How does God respond? Nothing about Moses. He says, I will be with you. Think of the line of thinking here. God says, I'm coming down to rescue the Israelites. Moses says, who am I that I should do this? God says, I will be with you. It doesn't matter who you are. What you need is more of my presence. What Moses needed was not a higher self-esteem. He needed a greater sense of God's presence with him. And another way of saying that is your first point today. We need less of me and more of thee. Notice how Moses makes it all about himself. What does God say? I am the one coming down to do this. I am the one going to rescue my people. Now go. I'm sending you to do it. God's saying, I'm going to do it. I'm just sending you to do it. And what does Moses do? He makes it all about himself. Instead of sitting back and saying, God, I wonder how you're going to do this. I can't wait to see how your plan unfolds. He says, who am I? Turns completely inward on himself. And it makes him feel inadequate. He loses confidence to do what God is calling him to do because he turns inward. It reminds me a lot of, um, in the New Testament during Jesus' life, Uh, it reminds me of the disciples. If you remember, Jesus fed 5,000 people. If you remember that uh, account. In that account, uh, Jesus was preaching and teaching, and it was getting late, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's time. These people are hungry. They need to go back to their homes. And and they need to go and get something to eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they look and they say, this is going to take nine months wages just to feed all these people. We can't feed them. How could we possibly do that? And Jesus says, well, bring me the food that you have. And they said, all we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. But how can that possibly go anywhere with this group of people? And Jesus takes the food and he blesses it and he says, go hand it out. Imagine being the disciples in that moment. Jesus sat there and he says, go hand out these fish, this small little fish and this small amount of bread to these 5,000 people. And they say, Lord, no idea how this is going to work, but they start going. And what happens? As they pass it out, there's more, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more. Until how much? Everyone had enough to eat, more than enough to eat, and 12 basketfuls of food left over. The disciples were lacking They were inadequate to do what Jesus called them to do, but Jesus wasn't. He could supply whatever they needed, and that's true for Moses, and it's true for you. Whatever God is calling you to, wherever you feel like you're you're inadequate, where you're lacking, God is the God of this world who created everything out of nothing, and He can supply whatever you are lacking. And so wherever you're feeling inadequate, don't turn inward. We need less of me and more of thee. How is the parenting how is the next stage of parenting going to play out? Don't know. But God does, and God will provide. How will the next stage of life, this new chapter turn out? You may not know. God does, and he will provide. How will this year turn out? You don't know. God does, and he will supply whatever is lacking because our God is a God who hears, who is concerned, who sees, and comes down to rescue. And he can supply whatever we are needing. We need less of me, more of thee when we feel inadequate. We need a greater sense of God's presence with us. And yet, does that bring you confidence? We know it should. But then we go back to Moses standing before the burning bush. And how does Moses respond? He hides his face, right? Why? Because he's inadequate to stand before the living God. He's inadequate to stand with God because he doesn't have the holiness that God requires. And that's true for you and me. It's great to know that God is going with us. It's great to know that God's with us. But in the back of our mind, there's that growing sense of, is he really? Because as I stand on my own, I stand before the living God, and I'm a little unsure. Because he's holy. And I'm not. Is he really going with me? What do we need? Less of me, more of thee. We need less of me and more of thee. And we look to the fire. The angel of the Lord standing before Moses. Why isn't Moses consumed? He's standing before him because the angel of the Lord. We don't have time to dig too deeply into this unless if uh, all of you are okay to spend another 10 to 15 minutes with me preaching, uh, which I'm guessing you're not. So let me just say briefly, (laughs) briefly, Just briefly, the angel of the Lord, theologians have rightly stated that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus, before he took on human flesh, is in the bush talking to Moses, and what does he say? I've come down because I've heard, I've seen, and I'm concerned about my people, and I've come to rescue them. Jesus did the same thing again 1,500 years later, except he took on human flesh Because he saw, he heard, and he was concerned about you. Not the slavery to the Egyptians, but slavery to sin and to death. And he knew you and I were lacking in the holiness to stand before God. And so what did he do? He came down to earth. And Paul rightly says, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me explain what Paul said. God made Jesus who had no sin. He was perfect. He was holy in every single way. He had holiness that God expected to the very tippy top. He made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus didn't become a sinner who all of a sudden said a bunch of nasty things. Instead, Jesus took your identity. He took your sin and he stood before God and said, God, I'm lacking in holiness because I'm I'm taking all of this sin on me. And from the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he identified as your identity so that you could have his identity, holiness, righteousness before God. You stand in confidence today. You go in confidence knowing God is going with you because you have righteousness, not a righteousness of your own, but the righteousness of Christ in you. You stand before God holy, not because of your holiness, but because of Jesus' holiness in you. That's what that verse means. You see, our God is a God who supplies us with everything we need, not just to go do what he's called us to do, but to stand in his very presence. You see, Christians are in a unique situation. where We have a unique perspective, because we can stand here and say, yes, I'm inadequate. I don't know if I can do what what God's calling me to do. But I have the confidence knowing that God supplies me with the righteousness I need to stand before Him. And because I have confidence knowing that I can stand before Him, He goes with me, and the God of this world goes with me, He can do anything. He can bring time plagues. He can rescue the people from the the number one world power. He can feed 5,000 people from two fish and five loaves of bread. My God can supply whatever I'm lacking, and so I go in confidence. And that's your last point. Our confidence comes not from what we can do, but from who is with us. The God of this world is with us. The God who can do anything. Tim Keller uh, is a former pastor and a New York Times best-selling author. When God speaks from the burning bush, and he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Tim Keller says, do you know what God's saying? He's saying, I'm the God who works with very unpromising material. He says, look at these guys. You've got Abraham, who comes from an unbelieving family, who didn't believe in God, who worshiped false gods. God called him out of that family, and he said, trust me, I'm going to give you a son. And what does Abraham end up doing? Not trusting him, committing adultery, having a son with a different woman, because he didn't trust God's plan. And yet God worked with him to bring the Savior of the world through his family line. You look at Isaac, who was an okay family man, until he wanted to circumvent God's plan. God said, The older will serve the younger, and Esau, or Jacob said, Isaac said, I love the firstborn more. And I want him to have the blessing. And so he tried to circumvent God's plan. And then you have Jacob. My goodness. Four children from four different women favored the second-to-last one so badly that all the other sons wanted to kill him, and they sold him off to slavery. God worked with him. And then you have Moses, an 80-year-old man. No money, no power, no influence, very unpromising material, and yet God used him. And he can use you, and he will use you, because he supplies whatever we're lacking with every situation that we're in. What is God calling you to? What has he put on your plate? We can sit and look and say, yes, I'm inadequate, but I have the God of this world who supplied the righteousness I need to know that he is with me wherever I go. And if the God of this world is with me, he will supply whatever I am lacking and what I need for this moment. So go in confidence. The God of this world can use you and will use you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you supply whatever we are lacking. You have all resources available to you. And no matter what situation in life we're called to, you promise you are going with us and you will supply everything that we are lacking. We thank you for the wisdom that you have, the knowledge that you have. We thank you for the resources that you have. We may look and say we don't have time, we don't have uh, the energy. Uh, We don't have it, but you do. And you can overcome everything. We thank you for supplying everything we need. Moses didn't know your plan uh, to details, all the details. We don't know all your plans and all your details, but whatever you're calling us to, we can trust that you will be with us. Help us to think less about ourselves and more about you. Uh, Let us keep our eyes on you, the God of this world, who can supply everything we need for every situation that we're in, that we can have contentment, and we know that you can overcome everything. Be with us as we grow in this message that we may have confidence and you, in confidence to live today, waiting to see how you reveal yourself once again. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.